Hi, I'm Brenda Burns, and this is the Vienna Assembly of God Sermons Podcast. Thank you for listening. It's an honor to share this time with you. Learn more about the ministries of Vienna Assembly of God at ViennaAG.com. Please leave your comments and reviews on the platform where you're listening. And now for today's message. Deliver us from evil. This title comes, it just was a phrase that as weeks kept going by, I remember one post Rachel made, it just feels like waves of, of the things that have been happening. And I really don't even want to uh, iterate them all because I'll miss some and why um, re-traumatize ourselves, okay? But there's been these things that have gone on and on in our culture that have felt, made us feel this sense, this heart cry, deliver us from evil. And it comes, that phrase comes from the final request in the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, the Lord's Prayer. So we're looking at it through that lens as how does the prayer guide us and shape us and posture us into making that final request, deliver us from evil. So here's a rapid fire review of what we've looked at so far. Um, We begin the prayer with our Father. The prayer is one given in community. It is to be prayed in community, in concert, with the knowledge that we belong to one another and are all God's children. And so how does that help us as we're moving towards deliver us from evil? Well, our connection in the beloved community is essential for transformation away from evil. This is a transforming community, and I, w- I believe that in my heart. And sometimes it can sound like transformed from what? Why do I need to be transformed? We have to constantly be formed in the image of Christ and transformed away from evil. Secondly, the relationship of Father, our Father. This is meant to represent an intimate connection that is fully and only good. And I agree that the worship just teed up some things for us today. Even though some of us have not experienced that goodness in terms of our life with our earthly father, it is available to us in God. And our acceptance of that and that settled faith that we are the beloved, this is crucial in order for us to stand strong in the face of evil. God's name is to be kept holy. Hallowed be thy name. God His essence is holiness. And as we behold his holiness, our own sensitivity to evil will be enhanced. How many remember the story when Isaiah saw God and he he said, I saw the Lord and his train filled the temple. And the very next thing he says is, oh, woe is me. I am so unclean. When we are beholding his holiness, it gives us a higher sensitivity to evil and an ability to renounce it. It reinforces that renunciation. 
And last week we talked about God's kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. God, how does God's kingdom come? As we surrender our will to his. Friends, this world system is not compatible with God's kingdom. This world system is not the kingdom of God. And in the prayer of surrender, we acknowledge that each of us situationally comprehend God's will through our circumstances. And so that's going to require humility. We, we, when we're saying, thy kingdom come, it doesn't mean... How many have heard people talk about, for me, heaven is going to be da-da-da. And then they explain what heaven will be. And it's usually something about they're sitting on a tropical island with a cool drink and beautiful weather. Or heaven for them will be certain foods that they eat. Or heaven for them will be da-da-da. It's all that they're defining it. Now, when we're saying thy kingdom come, we're not saying here's the picture, God. Get busy drawing it. No, it's saying I surrender to your will. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it takes that <laughs> to resist evil. We have to have a heart aligned with God's heart to have the courage that we need when confronted with evil. If you have your little prayer card, I want us to pray the prayer together out loud, and we're going to use the New Living Translation. So if you're joining from home, we're in Matthew chapter 6, and this is at verses 9 through 13. And if your translation doesn't match up, it's okay. But here in the room, we're going to pray aloud using the one that says NLT, um, and we're going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. So beginning at verse 9. This is Jesus speaking. He says, pray like this. And now let us pray together. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need and forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us and don't let us yield to temptation but rescue us from the evil one amen amen so today we're going to look at this section give us today the food we need or give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins or our debts as we forgive our debtors and so as I was preparing for this, where the Lord took me was back to the beginning <laughs> to get a stronger grip on this part of the prayer. And so I'm going to be reading from Genesis chapter 2. And I don't have this printed out for you in the room. If any of you want to open your Bible app to Genesis 2 and take a look at this, but this is the story of the creation and how God made woman and man. And it has some really important connection 
to this part of the Lord's Prayer. So I'm going to begin reading at verse 4, and it's a little lengthy, but I, I, I want to say something. I want us to grow in our capacity for the reading of Scripture. I want us to grow in our ability to not tune out if it goes beyond half of one verse. We need to be able to see the Scripture, hear the Scripture, the scripture was written in a time of an oral tradition. It was written in a way to hear it and to take it in through your auditory system. So I want you to listen and pay attention to this account of the creation. Beginning at verse 4, Genesis 2. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, neither wild plants nor grains were growing on the earth, for the Lord God had not yet sent rain to water the earth, and there were no people to cultivate the soil. Instead, springs came up from the ground and watered all the land. Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground. He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Then the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he placed the man he had made. The Lord God made all sorts of trees grow up from the ground, trees that were beautiful and produced delicious fruit. In the middle of the garden, he placed the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river flowed from the land of Eden, watering the garden and then dividing into four branches. The first branch, called the Pishon, flowed around the entire land of Havilah, where gold is found. The gold of that land is exceptionally pure. Aromatic resin and onyx stone are also found there. The second branch, called the Gihon, flowed around the entire land of Cush. The third branch, called the Tigris, flowed east of the land of Asher. The fourth branch is called the Euphrates. The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals and all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And the man chose a name for each one. He gave names to all the livestock, all the birds of the sky, and all the wild animals. But still, there was no helper just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. At last, the man exclaimed, this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. This explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, 
and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. This is the word of the Lord. Father, help us to hear from your word today. I pray for your anointing on, as I speak it, your anointing on our minds and our ears and our hearts to receive it, and that it be good seed that bring forth much fruit. In Jesus' name, amen. We humans were created by God. You've heard that a few times the last few Sundays, but it's still true. The psalmist declares, shout with joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with singing, with joy. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us, and we are his. In the King James, that verse says, he is our maker, not we ourselves. He's the one who made us. In this Genesis account, we see an important correlation to this part of the Lord's Prayer that we are examining today. Before the fall, God created humanity. And in that creation, in Genesis 2, we see illustrated two basic needs that we humans have had baked into us at creation. Food (laughs) and relationship. So in current jargon, this need for food and for relationship, it is not a bug. It is a feature. (laughs) It is the way God made us. We were created with bodies that require nutrition. Our bodies are good Food is a gift from God to be appreciated and enjoyed. And we were created with emotions and desires that cannot be satisfied in isolation. We were made for relationship with God and with others. Love and companionship and friendship are gifts from God to be appreciated and enjoyed. All right? So let's look at that just a little deeper, real quick here. How about food? Well, Adam and Eve were told they could eat from any tree in the garden except one. Why were they told that? Because they needed to eat. It was part of how God made them. Eating was necessary. It was a part of living, of being. After the fall, God told Adam... By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat. The need for food is still there, but now sin is in the picture, and getting food became hard work. Throughout the narrative of Scripture, friends, food remains central. Our human need for food and God's caring provision of Food. It was the need for food that brought the patriarchs to Egypt, where Joseph had received the prophetic interpretation of Pharaoh's dream that there were going to be seven years of plenty, followed by seven years of famine. And through his wise planning, in the years of planning, plenty, Joseph stored up the significant supplies of food, and that served to keep the Israelites from perishing. 
400 years later in the Exodus, when the Israelites are now numbering in the hundreds of thousands, God miraculously provides food for them from heaven, manna from heaven, by sending the winds and, and bringing quail into the camp. He poured water out of the rock. He met the physical needs of his people for food and for water. Elijah the prophet was fed by the ravens and, and then God caused the widow's oil and flour to not run out so that they could be fed. Daniel and his friends survived on a diet that was separate from the Babylonian fair so that they could stay true to their Jewish food rules and God blessed them and gave them even better health. Food, 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 it's everywhere in the scripture and i can't say all of the places it just keeps showing up jesus miraculously fed the multitudes at least two times that we know of based on the record of the gospels he was displaying the abundance of god's kingdom through the ordinary needs of all the people food and jesus taught us not to worry about food and I think this needs to be reiterated right now in this moment of this economy. So hear me. Jesus said this when he knew what would be facing you in 2022. Don't worry about food. He said in Matthew 6, 25, don't, I tell you, don't worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds they don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them and aren't you far more valuable to him than they are. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? If you've had some worries, I just want you to take a moment and remember your need for food is something God created you with and he's not going to leave you or forsake you he cares for you hunger is a powerful motivator and i want to acknowledge that hunger is a tragic reality for many people as part of our missions family we support several local agencies that help food insecure families and i would love to see that support grow and i'll just keep saying that there are famines that are taking place around the world. The, the war in Ukraine is impacting food supply in many places. As we pray, give us today our daily bread. Let's also pray for those places of hunger around the world that God would provide for them. And let us be alert to ways that we can generously partner to help meet the need. This happened in the early church. Food was central to their life. They, they gathered together around the Lord's table. They ate. But then also when famine and persecution became a devastating issue in Jerusalem, the churches in Asia sent offerings to help. Food is a part of God's plan for us. And while we're talking about it, is anybody getting hungry? Okay, so, so um, let's just call out your favorite food. What's your favorite food? 
yeah. Are y'all sure you're hungry? Because I'm not hearing much food talk here, right? Like, what, what, what do you want? <laughs> My friends, as we pray, give us today our daily bread. Give us today the food we need. We are acknowledging our dependence on God and his faithfulness to us. He made us. He knows what we need. And we are not called to worry, but to faith. He also created us from the beginning with a need for a relationship. As much as we need food, we also need forgiveness. Our relationship with God requires forgiveness to be a part of our template. Sin is a tricky topic in today's culture. Maybe it always has been, but it just feels easier for a preacher to say, oh, it's tricky nowadays, you know? I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, we want to be a loving presence and affirm the image of God in every person. But we cannot get away from this truth that we all have sinned and that each and every one of us need forgiveness. So now part of the challenge can be defining sin. Um, like if we get in the, in the list-making business and, and calling this behavior sin, and then it turns out that somebody else actually doesn't feel like that's a sin at all, and yet maybe something you're doing, they would point at and say, that's a sin. You know, so that gets tricky. Um, and we're not going to parse that all out this morning. The New Testament does acknowledge that we each have to work out our conscience with God and to wrestle toward freedom from sin. And that whole idea of working out your own salvation, it doesn't mean we save ourselves through works, but it does mean that we each have to come before God and keep working toward it. In my Bible reading this week was the verse in... Um, Proverbs that talks about commit your ways to the Lord. And that word commit in Hebrew is roll towards. Roll towards God. I, I like that in this idea of defining sin. I, I want to revisit something I said last Sunday during the meditation on Roe v. Wade. And it's 11.57, and we're going to take communion together, so we're probably going to be here about 5 to 10 minutes past noon, okay? So just hang with me just a moment. But here's a direct quote of what I said last week. I know that some of you have experienced abortion or participated with a partner in abortion. You have felt shamed and afraid that this sin is unforgivable, and that you must hide this secret from your church family, end quote. And my point in that was trying to say that this is a safe place where you can receive love. You don't have to um, divulge your secrets, but I don't want you to feel shame. But here's what I would like to add today. 
regarding that part where I called abortion a sin. Many people have experienced abortion for a variety of reasons where they do not necessarily feel shame or feel that a sin was committed. And I know that there are many voices that are hard and rigid on this point and actually on either side of this point. There are those that would just say there's no there's no need to even have the concept of sin. This is all about one person's choice and there's nothing else to talk about. That, that would be like a hard on this side. And then there are those on this side that say, it doesn't matter what your excuse is, it's always sin. And that hard and rigid and I am resisting both of those, okay? I want to reiterate, I do not stand in judgment nor serve as a judge for anybody in this regard. I do hold to my belief that God created us in his image and that he knew you, saw you, he loved you before you were even born. But we have to trust God to work with each and every one of us in terms of coming to peace with him. And we need to be careful to understand that the complexity of the abortion issue does not fit well in labeling, okay? So I was referring last week specifically to people who have talked to me, and I know that that's where they were coming from, but I felt I needed to follow up in this conversation about forgiveness and sin and, be, and, and keep teaching us. We have to be careful about labeling things. Amen? Amen. No matter who we are, we need forgiveness. <laughs> no matter who we are. We need relationship with God and with others. And relationships require forgiveness. Craig and I are celebrating 44 years of marriage tomorrow. All right? Um, we did not get there without forgiveness being a major element in our relationship. It's just not possible. Two fallen humans are going to hurt each other. It's going to happen. And we have to learn how to ask forgiveness and give forgiveness. Forgiveness is the good news. Jesus died for our sins. In 1 Corinthians 15, the Apostle Paul says, I pass on to you what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins. Just as the scripture said, he was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day. Just as the scriptures said, the powerful words of Jesus in this prayer encompass our need 
for relationship with God and with others. We pray for our own sins to be forgiven because I want to be I want to be in relationship with you, God. And we pray that we would have the mercy and the humility and the strength to forgive others because relationship with others is important and is a part of what God has called us to. Every single one of us has had something done wrong to you. Every one of us, it's happened. This isn't an issue of um, only if, if everything gets just so right. No, it's, we have to acknowledge all of us have suffered and had things wrong to us, and we're praying, God, give me the mercy and the humility and the strength that I please forgive my sins and help me to forgive others. It is a daily experience, just like food. <laughs> so you may not have the capacity today to forgive something that feels too big. Because the reality is some offenses are minor, but some are deep and big and extremely traumatic. But what you can pray today is this. You can pray today that one day you could experience that new level of forgiveness. And just simply that baby step, Lord, please help me get there, is something, is a step, it's a rolling toward God. Give us today the food that we need. Forgive me today for the sins I am aware of at this moment and help me today to forgive others. We're coming up on the end here. How does this part of the prayer prepare us for this deliver us from evil? Well, we're about to receive the Lord's table together, receiving the bread and the wine which represent Christ's body and blood. We do this in remembrance of him, in participating in his death, which atoned for our sins. It is through the cross of Jesus Christ that we overcome. It is through the shed blood of Jesus that we are cleansed from our sins. And that is where we get positioned to be able to be delivered from evil. I'm going to ask Rachel to come and prepare. I want us to include a time of reflection where we allow the Holy Spirit to illumine to us what we may need to confess before God. Okay? In your own time with God, you can feel this sense of openness to allow the Holy Spirit to show you what is sin. You don't need me to list it off to you. And so as we have this moment, I want us to also use the prayer that is printed on the back side of your card. This prayer is a beautiful prayer of confession, and it helps guide us into this seeking of forgiveness. We're going to observe a short silence 
We're going to pray the confession prayer together. And then we will seal that prayer with a song of devotion and then receive the elements. And that'll be the end of our service, okay? So let us observe a moment with silence. Let us pray together the prayer of confession. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen.
I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. As you hold the bread today, I want you to consider the full circle of our creation and our bodily existence and that Jesus himself took on flesh and this represents his body given for you. Let us receive the bread. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. This represents Jesus' blood that cleanses us and puts us back in full relationship with God. Let us receive the cup. Amen. Amen. I want to send us out with a blessing today. Those that are in the room, if you want any additional prayer, I will stay available for that. And if you're, those of you that are in the room, if you're really hungry, there's a snack table over here. You can go grab a snack, okay? Um, but let us stand, those of us that are here together, and receive this blessing. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. If you enjoyed today's message, why not share it with a friend? I invite you to subscribe at Apple Podcast and our YouTube channel. We'd love to hear your feedback and comments. So glad that you were with us today. Look forward to seeing you next week. At Vienna Assembly of God, we love God, others, and life. And we're leading our community in a growing relationship with God.